This afternoon I proclaim to you the Word of God as we confess that in Lord's Day 49 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 49, page 562 of the Book of Praise. And there we confess from God's Word is the following. And this uh, concerns the Lord's Prayer then, the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. What is the third petition? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is, grant that we and all men may deny our own will and without any murmuring obey your will for it alone is good. Grant also that everyone may carry out the duties of his office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. So far, our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, boys and girls who belong to him, then the third petition of the Lord's Prayer, we could say, was written with blood. For the Lord Jesus, as we read in Matthew 26, prayed this petition in the Garden of Gethsemane while the sweat was being pressed out of him like great drops of blood, as it says in Luke He prayed there, Father, if this cup cannot pass unless I drink it, not my will, but your will be done. Notice, by the way, that Jesus basically also then quoted the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer there. He said to his disciples, watch that you may not enter into temptation. And that's the fifth petition. And that shows that the contents of the Lord's Prayer are connected with Jesus' suffering, especially his struggle in Gethsemane just before he was betrayed. And that makes the third petition, which we confess this afternoon before the Lord's Supper celebration, very special. Jesus himself had to also pray, Your will be done. So this petition connects us with him who taught it to us. And his blood is the price he paid so we can direct this petition to our Father in heaven. So our theme is the third petition, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pay attention to, first of all, our master's prayer, and secondly, his servant's example. First of all, then, our master's prayer. The Lord Jesus came to this earth in order to do the will of his father. That was his purpose. That's how he, he stated numerous times when he was on earth. John 4, my food is to do the will of my father who is in heaven, of him who sent me. Just as his body desired food and drink in order to live, so his soul desired to do his Father's will. And in John 6, he said, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And what was the will of him who sent him then? Well, that includes a lot, but Jesus specifically described that in John 6. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all he has given me, but raise it up at the last day. 
So God the Father, the will of God the Father was that he work salvation for all the elect whom the Father gave him so that he can raise them up to everlasting life on the last day. That's why that suffering of our Lord and the preparation for that suffering in Gethsemane, which we read about in Matthew 26, Jesus knew what was waiting for him later on that night and the following day. He knew, he felt the cross coming closer and closer to him. A few hours and he would hang there on that cross, totally forsaken by all the people around him, by everyone rejected by his own people and by his father who he had always loved with perfect love. And he would thus descend into hell. And you sense that growing dread of the Lord Jesus in Gethsemane in Matthew 26, that passage we read. It was an extremely emotional moment for him, as you can imagine. It says in verse 37 that he began to be sorrowful and troubled, deeply distressed. And he sought some comfort from his disciples in that distress. Watch and pray with me. But they were tired, their eyes were heavy, they fell asleep. He had to face his fears and terrors alone. He had to suffer through everything that was coming all by himself. And he prays there in the dark by himself then. Notice the progression in the Lord's praying to his Father in heaven. Verse 39. Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He asked there in the first place if there might be another way to do all this, for him to do this. Other than the way of the cross and of hell. Hellish agony. But he adds to, if there is no other way, then let his father's will be done. And then notice the progress to verse 42, his second prayer. Verse 42. Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And there's, there's a growing acceptance that the suffering that the father had willed for him is the only way. And though we aren't told what Jesus prayed the third time, just says he prayed the same words, we can safely assume that in that prayer, there was an expression that he fully now accepted that he had to go to the cross for the atonement of the sins of his people. Father, your will be done. And you see the, the Lord Jesus then growing in the acceptance of what he had to do, of his father's will. 
And maybe you wonder about that. Jesus had been so strong about what he had come to do over the years of his ministry. How often had he told his disciples, this is the way it's going to go. I'm going to be rejected, handed over, despised, suffer, and I'll be crucified and put to death. And then it says too in the Gospels that he resolutely set his face to go to Jerusalem that last Passover. And earlier that same evening, he had instituted the Lord's Supper in that upper room. This is my body, which is given for you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. And nevertheless, in Gethsemane, he fell on his knees in the dark and he cried out in agony to his father, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not as I will, but as you will. Your will be done. And we see here that Jesus was truly man, one of us. Mortal man, terrified of what he knew he had to do. It was heartbreakingly hard for him. And in Gethsemane, he came to fully accept what he had to do. You see that in verse 46. It says there, he woke up his disciples, and then he doesn't say to them, let's get out of this place, let's, let's flee here. No, he says, see. He says in verse 40, 46, he says, rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. In other words, he struggled mightily what he had to do with what he had to do, but now he fully accepts that he has to, what he has to do. He willingly obeys his Father's will. And as it says in Hebrews 5, verse 8, it says there, though he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. His flesh rejected what he had to go through, but he had to do it. And so he went toward the cross. Not resigned, passively kind of, but decisively, resolutely accepts the cup the Father gave him to drink, the suffering that was needed to save sinners. And brothers and sisters, boys and girls too, at that point in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he said, rise, let us go, we could say that the battle had already been won. It was a decisive moment in Jesus' work for our salvation. He accepted the cup of suffering, put his hand on it, so to speak, put it to his lips, and now he was going to drink it empty. That was his Father's will. He fully accepted that will of his Father. Not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done. Jesus taught us to pray that too in the Lord's Prayer. It's true. Our struggles to deny our own will and to do the Father's will aren't exactly the same as Jesus' struggle in Gethsemane. But the words are the same. And it's amazing that Jesus taught us a prayer that he himself had to use later on in Gethsemane himself too. 
It's a petition to willingly obey the will of our Father in heaven. That's surrendering to the Father's will. That can bring a lot of struggle into our lives too, can't it? We're often faced with difficult times and hard decisions that we have to make. And then we know what God would want us to do. We know that from the Bible. We know what God wants us to do, but we have to deny ourselves to do that. God's will often seems so to us like the hard way of doing things. The unhappy way of doing things. My spirit resists going to that person and saying, I'm sorry about what I did. Resists saying to that person, I forgive what you did to me. But I know from the Bible that the will of my Father in Christ is that I do say that. Then as believer, I can expect a similar struggle as my master had in Gethsemane. My prayer starts out, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And finally, Father, your will is right and good, and I accept what I need to do. And then I resolutely come to do God's will, right? Without any murmuring, we confess Lord's Day 49, without any murmuring, obey God's will. The Lord Jesus struggled mightily to obey his Father's will. But he did not complain about what the Father required of him. He struggled himself, but not about the Father's will. Obeying without murmuring doesn't mean that you don't struggle intensely, that you don't pray fervently. No, Mur- without murmuring means that you don't sulk, that you don't complain about the Father's will, and that you don't end up doing that will resentfully. It means that you pray to accept God's will and resolutely do it, that you can say what your master said after praying that night in Gethsemane, your Savior, rise. Let's go. Do God's will. Even if it means discomfort, suffering, rejection for you because you don't know, you, don't, you know you don't have to suffer alone without God. You don't have to suffer alone without God. Jesus struggled alone in Gethsemane so that we never have to be alone in our struggle to accept God's will and to deny ourselves. We come to the second part, his servant's example. And that's the second part of Lord's Day 49. Grant that also everyone may carry out the duties of his office and calling willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. God's angels are his servants and they're our example in obeying the will of the Father in heaven. And that's why Jesus added those words on earth as it is in heaven. That In our doing God's will on earth here, we may be as willing and faithful as those servants of his in heaven. The angels are the servants of God. We are the children of God. 
The servants here are held up as examples to the children. What do angels do? I could mention a few things from the Bible. We don't know everything about them, but I could mention a few things. Thousands and ten thousands of them constantly worship and praise God in heaven. In the book of Revelation, John sees them there singing the song of Moses and of the Lamb. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. And they praise God, stand before his throne, praising him. And also, they stand before God's throne, ready at a word or gesture from God himself to carry out his will in heaven and here on earth. There are legions of angels constantly prepared to fight for God if that is necessary. The older translations actually spoke of the Lord of hosts, of the mighty armies, the Lord of the mighty armies of angels. And they're led by certain angels. We know of the angel Michael, a type of general among the angels, and they fight against the devil and his hosts of fallen angels. But the outcome of their battle, of course, is certain, based on the victory of Jesus Christ. Angels are sent out by God to support and carry along the elect people of God. So that as it says in Psalm 91, they don't strike their foot against a stone if it's not God's will. And as we learn from Jesus' parable of Lazarus and the rich man in Luke 16, they also have the duty to carry the souls of God's people to Abram's side in heaven. A beautiful thing to think about if one of our loved ones pass away. The angels take their souls to heaven. Angels are also the ones who bring in the harvest of God's people on the last day. To sum it up, as it says in Hebrews 1 verse 14, angels are ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. They're God's servants who are always everywhere prepared to do God's will in heaven or here on earth. That's what they live for. That's what they exist for, to do whatever God wants to bring about the fullness of his kingdom. So back to the third petition, on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus teaches us to pray for the same readiness on our part to do our Father's will as the angels. Whatever that will of God may be in our circumstances and in our lives, and yes, God mean, that's God's will often is going to mean denying our own will and desires and wishes. God gives us a task to do. And he expects us to do that task willingly and faithfully without complaint or excuse. And not just passively accepting his will, but actively, positively doing his will Serving him in the office and calling which he has given us in our own lives at this time. Our own individual lives. And we all have an office and calling. 
Notice, congregation, that Lord's Day 49 refers in that last part about office and calling to 1 Corinthians 7. We read a part of that chapter. And that passage is about the office and calling of everyone in the church, in other words. And in the context, you know, that 1 Corinthians 7 is about husbands and wives and singles and widowed persons and also slaves or free people. And the apostle writes there, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to, in which, to which God has called him at the time. Married or single, slave or free, whatever your circumstances at this time, accept that as God's will then and acknowledge God's calling then and live as Christian in that place and circumstance with that task that you have been given there. God has called you as you are with your personality, your abilities, your disabilities, in the circumstances you now find yourself. He calls you to do His will there. Don't rebel against Him. It is calling where He placed you. Accept that from Him and serve Him in it to the best of your ability. Sure, as a slave, you can seek freedom. As a single, you may certainly look for companionship. As a disabled person, you can certainly look for things to improve your situation and circumstances in life. As worker, you may certainly do your best to move up in the company. But serve God willingly and faithfully now in the situation you find yourself in now. In whatever office and calling God has laid on you at this moment. And then that means as husband or wife. As church member, as Christian, office and calling, prophet, priest and king. Also office bearers in the church. Applies to the officers in the church. Brothers, the front here, the Lord calls you to your respective offices as elders and deacon. The third petition is also for you, a call to accept who you are at this time where God has placed you. Your offices are from him. And it's also a prayer for you, brothers, to willingly and faithfully do his will as elders and as deacon. And that can be a struggle to find out what that will, but you search his will and to fulfill that, deny yourselves too. Serve willingly, faithfully in this congregation as his servants, the angels serving him in heaven, as faithfully and willingly as the angels in heaven in their specific offices and callings. And congregation, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper this afternoon, let's remember that our Savior Jesus Christ paid for this petition with his blood in Gethsemane and on Golgotha. He was obedient, submitted readily and willingly to God's will to do it. It was his food and drink to do his Father's will. And therefore, we can pray this petition too. He earned it for us. 
And therefore, we can expect our Father in heaven to hear us and to help us in our struggles to serve and obey him in our office and calling when we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.